0: Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.
1: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Pint podcast. Uh, today is another episode in our M&A series, and we're pleased to have with us today Joe DiNunzio, president of BrokerLink. Joe, how's it going? Good, Tom. Nice Hi. to be here with you guys. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Uh, I'm pleased to be joined by my colleagues, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitch. Hello. Adam, how's it going? Hey, okay. Good. Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. Good evening. And Steve Earl, CEO of Cheap Insurance. Hello. Uh, so I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. So IFS Premium Finance, our premier sponsor. Uh, the Crew Group, Garrison's Brewery. And WIC, our charity partner. All right. So, Joe, before we get into before we dive into our questions here, maybe just give us a bit of background. What led you to become the president, CEO of BrokerLink and on our show today?
2: I've been with Intact IFC since two thousand and one, so I've been with the company twenty years. Um, I came through an acquisition, like a lot of folks at uh, IFC. I was with Zurich. I was vice president of sales there at Zurich, um, <clears throat> and Intact bought us and I've done various rotations throughout IFC through the last 20 years. Um, I've been regional vice president of four different regions in Ontario. A few years back, I was senior vice president of specialty lines in Canada for Intact. And then 2018, I was told that I was going to rotate in Brokerlink and here I am. Yeah,
1: I. Uh, there's that's, that's, that's a lot of familiarity in that story to me, uh, having not done exactly the same jobs as you, but definitely having rotated through a number of jobs at, uh, at Impact as well. So, uh, and, and I feel like I'm full circle.
2: I, I started in the business a long time ago, but as an agent at uh, Allstate. So I sold personal lines, commercial lines, and life at the time, the 80s when they had all three lines. And I spent 10 years in the U.S. before I came back to Canada in 2001. And uh, I was a partner in a brokerage in Pittsburgh too. So uh, I've had the agent and the broker experience, so I kind of feel like I did full circle company in the, in the between and now back to the broker side. Kind of cool.
1: So tell us about
0: the background of BrokerLink. Like where did it come from? And most importantly,
2: when you're done where
0: it came from is like,
2: where are you taking it? We just celebrated our 30th birthday last year in 2021, give or take. Um And I, it was originally, uh, BrokerLink originated in, in Calgary in 1990. And, um, I think around 1991, uh, an IPO was done and Canadian Surety became the major shareholder. Uh, They subsequently were acquired by Allianz. uh, And then in turn, ING in 2005 acquired Allianz and all their uh, companies uh, with BrokerLink came in and ING turned into Intact, a publicly traded company in Canada. And so that's a little bit of, of where how IFC now has BrokerLink, it's through acquisitions, and they've been sold numerous times. Um, IFC made the strategic decision to accelerate growth through acquisition back in around 2010. Uh, We were about 400 million, and today we're 3 billion. Uh, Over 3,200 employees and over 200 offices across Canada. So that's who we are today. I guess, Steve, to where we're going, um, I mean, it might sound funny. I mean, just like you guys, we're trying to build a best-in-class local brokerage with national reach. Um, it's people-focused. That's what we believe in. Uh, we want to offer an omni-channel service to our clients and allow them to do business how they want. You know, when when we talk about what BrokerLink, where we want to get to, what we want to do, it's... We don't want to just compete with other brokers, but probably like just like you guys, we, you know, our competitors are the direct writers in the broker business. We we want to make sure that we have all the advantage of the broker versus direct choice things like, you know, everybody knows about. But we also want to match them with service and technology. And, and what I mean by that is our scale at BrokerLink allows us to be open on Saturdays nine to four. We're open weekdays till eight p.m. We a customer can call their personal insurance advisor and have that one-on-one interaction. But if they're not available, we we don't have voicemail, they can go to a direct um, regional center and get instant um, uh, service from someone. So that, again, we want to put ourselves in a position where we can really go head to head with the directs or what's to come in the future. We're not sure which distribution disruption is going to happen, but that's what that's what we're aiming for.
0: You said, BrokerLink is three billion. Yeah. Is that the biggest brokerage in Canada?
2: We believe we are, but I, you know, it we could change be. hands depending on acquisitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah but I think no. it would be up there. Okay, very good. Thank you. I'll
3: flip it over here, Joe. Why should a broker sell to you? What is your broker uh, link about elevator pitch aside from money, maybe meeting Mitch
2: Murner or what other values do you bring to the table? (laughs) We can arrange that if that closes a deal, by the way. Um, (laughs) um, I'd I'd say that there's a couple of bullet points that um, that I would say. First is our reputation. Um, We've closed 100 percent of our deals that we've gone to an LOI. and that's important in our 30 year history. We've done over 150 acquisitions, give or take. And we've got a real good track record of integrity. We do what we say and we close. Not all of those others, others can say that. So that's first. Um, we're not a cookie cutter template. I know there are uh, folks out there that think you have to do it a certain way with BrokerLink and that's just not true. Each deal is customized to suit the needs of the vendor. And we can do custom deals in unlimited ways. Uh, we've come a far, a far, a quite a far from when maybe Tom, you know, we had more of a cookie cutter, was purse lines and things like that. Uh, when you were there, it's, um, it's, it's it's there's no longer customized, uh, and so we're proud of that. Um, we're 100% Canadian. We're invested in the long term for Canada. You can ask any former older former owner sold to B L. Um, they, they can vouch for us. Um, we're in it for the long run. We're also community-based. That's important to a lot of brokers that sell. We don't close their offices. We become part of the town uh, that we're in. We're over 200 locations. We give back to the communities. We, we have a strong uh, social generosity, uh, one of our values. Um, and we encourage our employees to donate their time to, and, and resources to local causes. From a vendor standpoint, I have uh, someone we bought a year ago, our example, Archway, Michael Stack is a VP on my leadership team meeting, he's VP of acquisitions. So we have a vendor that's a a VP. We have vendors that are directors. A lot of them stay on as account executives or commercial lines producers because they wanna keep their customers. So we have an array of positions for vendors. Um, We're a best employer. When you look at Concentric, our engagement score is strong. We don't touch compensation. That's a big one. We honor existing producer agreements and arrangements with selling brokerages, so that the employees have peace of mind. They get the better off. So, for example, we buy broker A, and they have three weeks vacation with that broker. We keep their tenure. But if ours is four weeks versus their three, they get the better of. If ours is worse, they get the, they keep their three weeks. Um, and then for clients, choice. Um, We've got over 70 personalized markets and over 100 commercialized markets, um, and so um, we think we have a win-win uh, proposition for vendor, employees, and customers. Um, we we measure NPS, Net Promoter Score, and our NPS with our customers is in the high 60s, which I would think is best practice. Wow,
0: that's that's really impressive. There's a ton of stuff I didn't realize to that backstory, and or the size, so. As far as the target size, I think you're calling the vendors. We'd normally call brokers. But what's your target um, size? Or I think I would guess geography is pretty national. As far as you're sticking to Canada, but you're anywhere across Canada.
2: I would say size-wise, our our smallest is a million dollar book that we just tucked in. Our largest has been 165 million today. Um, so, I, I, you know, we. All spectrums. Um, some are personal lines, some are commercial lines. Um, the geography, we're open to all of Canada, but right now we operate Ontario, Alberta, and Atlantica. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity still in, in those three sections of the country that that's where we concentrate. Um, I, You know, it comes down to a good fit at the end of the day. Um, a lot of brokers know that BrokerLink is, is an acquirer, so they do call us to see what we're about, and um, if we if our ma- we look at to see if our values match. And what I mean by that, we have certain values: customer driven. We want to be community oriented, integrity, inclusiveness. And if our values match, we get into a good discussion. Um, I would say that if if someone were selling and wanted to look at BrokerLink, that they should call because. Um, uh we fit quite a wide variety of brokerages uh, both big and small and and anything in between
1: okay so this is the digital insurance point so let's talk digital for a second so presume you have got a couple of brokers who look quite similar but one of them has a strong digital strategy or digital presence out the front end or in inside the shop does that is, is that more attractive to you? Is, is there, is there a valuation boost at that at that more digital broker uh, would get as a result?
2: My opinion, um, a good digital presence today is kind of sort, sort of becoming table stakes for, for a top brokerage in Canada. So I'll start there. Um, I would. I just think that sometimes brokers who say they're digital brokers throw that out loosely. So I just want to. And. I guess it would mean, would would be, my, my ask would be, what is the definition of a digital broker? So for me, it's not a broker that just buy aggregator leads and then, you know, buying some, that's, that's not a digital broker to me, but if they have efficiencies, they have self-serve, they have technology that uh, generates organic growth and and leads like that, to me, that's a digital broker. And um, I, I think that, um, As a result, they either get efficiencies or strong organic growth. And and that, to me, uh, brings value. Um, We look at EBITDA and usually a digital broker that's truly digital and is getting the efficiencies or getting the top growth. Their EBITDA is strong. And so I would say uh, if they have all those features, then, yes, it would be reflected in the valuation.
0: So, Joe, you you. Approach this before you mentioned Mike Stack from Archway. Um, and I know, I know Mike and I know Gina McFetris. they're yeah. super He's part awesome, of our team as well. Super awesome Atlantic Canadians. Yeah. Um, my question is, do you want for former owners to stick around? So, what does that look like? What is their position? So, when a vendor comes to you and you do a deal, do you have a role specifically or? Um, is it really up to them? It's, um, it's kind of both Steve. Uh, um, and what I mean by that,
2: um, we want all the vent brokers that are selling in the short term to help us to transition, you know, three months, get to know their staff, you know, just show us around. We, we found that, that it, it, it helps employee retention. It helps understanding if we have some bugs with their BMS, what have you. So, we, we do want them to stick around for a minimum of three months, three to six months, depending on the size and things like that. But before we close, we negotiate and we have a discussion with the broker principal and some VIPs that they may ha- consider as part of their senior team. Um, and we discuss different roles that would suit them. And uh, we, we normally come to an agreement. Um so they know going in and we build it right into the LOI. We build in this is their um position going forward, this is their compensation, we do all of that. Um a lot of them just want to drop off the keys though and say after three months goodbye, and we're okay with that as well. Um so it is a back and forth discussion. Um a lot of them stay as on as account executives, they work two or three days a week. Um that are you know commercialized producers. They keep five, ten big accounts. They they stay in the, in the insurance business that way, and that works for us too. They get the commission and everything like that. So um, we go through all of that uh, before we close, so that there's no uh, you know be, uh, communication that you know we weren't sure, and, and that way we don't have a disgruntled donor or someone that says you promised this and so forth. So we put it right into the deal.
3: Joe how how do you handle the name like if you're mitch insurance or excalibur insurance group and you make the uh, the sale is the is the name gone in a in a couple of months right off the bat is it sunsetted how do, how do you work that
2: uh, most of our acquisitions do it we do it, um adopt the BL brand the brokerage brand absolutely um it's the time frame that differs um and <clears throat> I've I've kept the brand of a of a broker as long as 3 years in one case. Um I and in other cases 6 months we 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 changed it when we did the integration of the broker management system because we don't want customers being confused until we are able to answer their calls. I I think it depends obviously on the owner's wishes, but more importantly, is that brand resonate with that town. And you know, we bought a broker here in Ontario a few years back it was a fourth generation broker. We kept it for a year and a half, two years. So for six months, didn't touch the brand. Then we we changed the brand to so-and-so broker, a division of BrokerLink. And then a year and a half later, we ripped the bandaid off a little bit more so that the, the customers became accustomed to it. Uh, so it just depends on, we had another broker, for example, that, um, Great marketing, good digital broker out west. Uh, had some jingles on the radio. Jeff, I might give that away by saying that and stuff like that. And, um, and um, we wanted to see if we could learn best practices the way they grew it digitally. And so we kept it for a good year um, to see what that was about. But most of them, uh, six months to a year, we do transition the name.
4: to see your agency succeed nationwide brokerage solutions is here to support you every step of the way don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry thrive with nationwide brokerage solutions today get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com that's where you learn more mbsbrokerage.com cash certified
0: What's in it for the acquired employees? You you touched on that a bit, um, and maybe you can unpack it.
2: Yeah, um, one of the things we're most proud of, and we talked to, to brokers about, is our retention three years after an acquisition with employees is 90%. And so that's, uh, we, we're, we, we take a lot of pride in that number. When someone asks me, what are you most proud of? That's one of the most things I'm proud of. They stick with us. Um, I'll admit that they could be shell shocked when they're first told, <laughs> um, but uh, we bring them along, and, and we have really good retention with employees. So um, <clears throat> that, uh, that's a good thing for us. Um, they keep—I I, I talked a little bit before—they keep their tenure with the previous brokerage. So if they have twenty years with that brokerage, they automatically get twenty years with us. They keep their compensation arrangements unless ours are better. Unless ours are better. Local employment is a big one. We don't shut down offices. We're in 200 locations. In fact, some brokers we buy, the employees are traveling 25, 30 minutes, and there's a closer broker link office to their home, and we we accommodate them to move to that uh, brokerage. Uh, Big cities is is a big one for that. Uh, We do have um, a hybrid model where they can work X amount of days at home and X amount of days in the office, so we do offer that. Um, and then the size and scale, we have IT, HR, digital, marketing, comms, you know, we have all those corporate teams. They're big for us, obviously, to support 3,200 employees. Um, and the other thing that an employee gets is they get access to all the jobs available at, in the IFC world. So you have um, an insurance advisor, for example, a personal line CSR that maybe wants to try claims or underwriting. Um if there's a job opening, they are treated like an internal employee. They would be able to interview and see if they wanna you know, try a stint inside. Or it, the world is open to them. And, and that's a cool thing from an employee standpoint, from a growth standpoint. So um, the last thing I would say is our benefits packages is, is very competitive compared to most brokers. We have a, a, a Intact financial stock purchase share plan. And it's simple, the employees get one, uh, get one for two so if the employee buys two stocks we give them one free we match up to a maximum per year so they get to build some equity in the whole IFC company which is kind of a cool thing that uh, other brokers could not match.
3: So just for clarity on that Joe then so if I was a 20-year broker for instance and I, uh, yeah, I'm i bought by uh, BrokerLink and I decide I want to get over to underwriting for some crazy reason my, my tenure would go over to the underwriting uh, department at that point that's correct? Correct. Yeah. Got okay.
1: thanks. Okay. So Joe, we've talked about owners, employees, uh branding and so on. Let's talk about carriers. Um, obviously where brokerlink was when I was there, quite a bit different to where it is today. So are there winners and losers when you acquire um another brokerage?
2: Brokerlink, I don't think there's a, a win who wins and who loses. I think it's win win win. Um to be honest with you. Um what you know, I've been on the company side for fifteen years, so you know I've I've done the pitch to brokers from the company side. Now I'm on the opposite side. Look, if you're looking at a company with us, um, what do you get with us? Um, you get a progressive brokerage with scale that uh, is an advantage to a company. They have to deal with one one management team for 200 locations. So any initiatives a company has, I'll give an example, UBI, Telematics. Um, you know, we have travelers, we have Intact. we uh, we're the number one company, wherever we whoever we have as a contract, we're one of the top one or two companies with telematics, for example, percentage-wise. Because if we believe in initiative, we push it hard. Um, so you're dealing with one management team. I think that's that's important. I think we have a real robust analytics team and we'll set we'll catch a problem on loss ratio for one of our markets before the company does in some cases. And we can rehab one one of the two hundred branches rather than be put on rehab for the whole brokerage. So we can use precision on getting the loss ratios back. And we're probably most markets, number one, two or three brokers in the country. So we bring a lot of scale and a, a, a lot of things that if I'm a company guy and I put my other hat on, I would like to, to deal with, right? We we don't, uh, I want to dispel the myth that BrokerLink gives everything to Intact. Cause Tom, you you know, you have to manage that you walk into a boardroom of another company and the first thing they, they ask it, is ownership. And um, you guys know that we wouldn't be in business very much if we didn't think that the customer was was always right and they get to choose. And so uh, it's choice. I think we're like any other broker where your top three markets get probably, you know, your first market gets between 30 and 45 percent, your second market gets around 20, 25 and third market gets 15 and everybody else gets remaining. I think. If you do that math, most brokers are that way. We're no different, except our fourth market maybe gets a hundred million, right? And so um, we 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 don't move books unless we don't have that market. Uh, We don't. We have we have all the pretty much all the well known names except for one. um, uh, In personal lines, and when we buy a broker that they have that that one company, we do move it, but. It doesn't go 100% to intact. It goes to where the customer fits, and we spread it around to where it goes. Um, so I, I don't think there's a lose. And from a customer standpoint, you know, um, they get more choice with all of our markets. They get to interact with us how they want to do business. Um, the the other thing I would say from commercial lines, you know, we're known as a personalized market for for whatever reason. We have 800 million in commercial lines. Um, that makes us a top five commercial broker in Canada. And uh, we have our own MGA and we have our own Lloyds cover holder. So um, we can bring a lot of choice to the table. So
0: let's talk Turkey. Turkey is how much are you willing to pay? And how do you come to that conclusion? <laughs> of what, what, what a brokerage is worth? Um, we're hearing multiples of EBITDA, um, multiples of commission, um, top line, like, and and then when you come up with what you're seeing right now, or how you how you go about that, where do you see these multiples going? Whether it be EBITDA or uh, multiples of commission.
2: Yeah, you know, for us, ultimately, all well, valuations are derived by the EBITDA of the brokerage. So I, I would say that's first. We have a model um, that we run the numbers through, um, and I would say the most important. Aspect of that model is the EBITDA, and and I would say it's the normalized EBITDA, not just the the, the, the EBITDA itself, but we normalize it. Um, growth is a, a, another important factor, organic growth. We plug into the to to the model, and um, we look at things like um, operational efficiency, cost controls, profitability, sustainability, things like that. Um, then we look at synergies. So, for example, one of our one of One competitive thing for us versus another broker, if we're going after a a common seller would be, we're in 200 locations. So if that brokerage we're we're looking at, it has an office in our town, now we can start getting some really good synergies. We don't need another location in that town. Uh, We can fold that in, that saves an expense. Where is it going? (sighs) Look, I think, Valuations have increased over the last couple of years. No, absolutely no doubt. Um, why? Probably supply demand. You know, diminishing. Very profitable business. Um, and look, private equity from the U.S. has come into Canada, and they've driven the price up. Um, no question about it. Uh, where the value? We we also we can give a broker a valuation based on a multiple of commissions or times EBITDA. They match. We can reverse engineer that, and our model allows us to do that. Where is it going? I think it's difficult to 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 look at the trajectory of valuations. I think, anecdotally, I'm just speaking market forces right now with the economic conditions. You got inflation, increased interest rates, access to capital. Could that wane? Like, I'm just not sure. And I and I stopped predicting, guys. Like I said, you know, two and people said you should sell at three and and now we've crept up to the next one. And, and so
3: uh, what can brokers do to make their business more attractive? You mentioned a few things. You know, is the real 40 important for brokers where high growth and profitability you look at? Is it all about the EBITDA? Uh, is it about how many organic leads are driving? What, what do brokers need to do to make sure they max out when they go and talk to you to sell? We've had discussions
2: with brokers where we've come up with a multiple that's not like they'll, you know, they'll look at you like, that's not, I, I need, I was expecting way more. And we have said to them, look, if you do this, this and this, let's talk again in a year, year and a half to try to get them their house in order. So we've, we've had those discussions and we, we do that. Um, so so first and above all, as I mentioned, it's really strong evidence. Where I see sometimes where they can improve is um, <clears throat> remuneration. You know, a, a, renew, a good remuneration expense ratio is in the low 50s, 50 to 55, in my opinion, when I look at some of the ones I've looked at. You've got some brokers with an uh, uh, expense of 65, 70. Wow, that's that's high, right? And, um, and it works for them. So, you know, good for them, right? Um, especially commercial lines shop with producers. You know, EBITDA is not as good with commercial lines, obviously, because of what you're paying uh, commercial lines producers, but it's hard to come up with a strong multiple uh, when your remuneration is 65, 70%. Um, it eats away a lot. So that that's one thing. Um, producer contracts, really clean that up, make it tight. You're selling 100% of your brokerage, but you've got five bro- broker producers where the contract is very, I would say, gray. They could take their book, they, you don't own it, they think they own it. That, that stuff gets messy, guys, I think you know that. And if you can tighten that up before you sell, you know, make the language is clear who owns what, what, it's just easier when your, your, your time to sell. I think those two things I see a lot of. Other things, yeah, growth helps, but if a, if a broker is unprofitable with all their markets and we have to rehab it, then maybe in the model, we put 80% retention instead of 92 or 93. So you don't wanna grow just for the sake of grow, growing your top line and, and not being profitable. Um, you know, right now, guys, talent is premium, right? I, everybody's hurting to hire enough people. So we have to start factoring, is it good talent? Has is the employee base been there for years? We're buying also the talent and the employees, not just the book of business. I think that's a good one, staff retention and experience. And then we talked about digital, but any any technologies, any u- unique digital offerings that can make look better or add to what we do, uh, would obviously go into um, in into the into our valuation on how brokers could make their brokerage pop and and stand out where you get maximum value
0: so do you see a big difference between the valuations for commercial brokers and personal lines? You commented on EBITDA not being as good on commercial shops
2: from an enterprise value. A good broker is a good broker, regardless of mix. So I, I don't distinguish between, we've we've bought really good commercial brokers and we bought really good purse lines. What we see in general, though, due to a reliance on producers in some commercial shops, not all, um, they generally have lower evidence because they pay those guys really good. And um, the highest valuations, Tend to go to CS personal line CSR shops, the sticky stuff, you guys know. <laughs> 95 personal lines, it's sticky. CSRs have the relationships. It's a tuck-in. You know, you, you tend to have the maximum efficiency in that. But um, I, we don't penalize in our valuation commercial lines versus personal lines. We just look, again, at the fundamentals, the KPIs, the EBITDAs, and, and things like that. And, and if everything's good, we, we've paid... Top dollar for some commercial lines because um, they, their contracts were in order. We knew what we were buying; it wasn't going to go anywhere. Things like that. I've seen clauses for a year retention on the commercial line stuff because of COVID, but normally there is no retention clause in in, in most deals.
1: Okay, so Joe, let's say um, you're talking to a prospective vendor, and um, you know there is a right of first refusal, a rofer, uh, that that. Party has on their business. Does that make you back off? Does that, A, and B, does that actually diminish the value of the brokerage in, in your eyes?
2: So, um, no, it doesn't make us back off at all. Um, a, a broker wouldn't diminish the value. And what I mean by that, um, if, if it's a well-established, well-run, profitable broker, it's still a well run valuable uh, well established broker with good EBITDA and so um, so I, I, I say no when diminished value. what we've bought some brokers that had rofers and not within tech with other companies, and they've um, they've waived them for us. I think that's a, a testament to our strong partnership with the others and knowing that we're not going to move their business and we run a good business. Um the the other thing I would say is not all rofers are alike and they got to be reviewed um because some rofers say you can match other rofers say you just got to keep the book there so not all ro- rofers are created equally I would say um but um and then the last thing I would say is writer first refusals are, are only relevant if the uh vendor has a genuine offer right if so joe um What's the end game here? Is it
0: to buy, keep buying, and buying, and buying, and buying until there's nothing left to buy, and then start buying the big guys? Is that is that where you're going? You know what,
2: Steve? Um, I I would say like we've had two really strong years during COVID. Um, our two best years in acquisitions have been the last two years. So we'll do close to I don't know fifty the last two years between this year and last year. We've declined about twenty. Um, so we just don't acquire for the sake of acquiring. They got to fit what we were doing. Um, and, and we talked about some of the things that make, you know, values and things that fit for us. Um, I, I, there is no end in sight for me. Um, we, we grow both organically and by acquisition. That's our strategy. We're open to buying any size of brokerage. Um, we've been around for 30 years. What makes us different than maybe some private equity is we're going to be around another 30 years. We're not going anywhere. Um, not sure everybody can say that. We will be. Um, and, and what's coming up, we've got over a half million customers. That keeps us busy day to day. And um, our, our goal is to be, like I started the, the conversation, is that progressive broker, that um, good employer, great customer service, um, and gives uh, options to brokers that uh, – are thinking of succession planning we're we're one of you know five ten out there probably if you look at who's doing all the uh, acquisitions we think we have a real good value proposition we're not the same as everybody else but um, we're comfortable with that.
1: And is there a last words you want to bring out to our viewers?
2: Yeah uh, you know BrokerLink isn't for everybody guys um, I'm the first to admit it we we, we've not found a fit for everybody, but we're a very good option for a broker who wants to take care of their staff, wants to get a fair price and knows that we're going to close at the end of the day. Um, and um, we're a viable option. And I think that's great for the broker channel that they have options on different models. And so um, we're here and uh, we're open for business. And, um, you know, if anybody's interested in, in what I've had to say, uh, give us a shout and- see what we can we can make happen and I appreciate you guys giving me the time to sort of tell our story
0: is retention important to your brokerage of course it is that's why at IFS we have a cancellation prevention process want more details give us a call I know
4: you don't always use a premium finance company but when you do you should use IFS cheers Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, a.k. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with MBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified.